Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This is Jay Horowitz with a special edition of Amazing Mets Conversations with Mike Breen, Hall of Famer, a little time mix, uh, play-by-play with MSG, and over 20 years, Mike, the lead uh, play-by-play guy in ESPN. But most of all, a dedicated Nets fan. But I remember he's getting banned in my old age. I remember I got a call from you in 2015. You were trying to make a playoff game, and you couldn't make it. Is that true? I lose my mind. It was one of the playoff in Chicago. Uh, no, I, I remember. And and it was, I mean, it was the great series against the Cubs. So uh, you helped me out because we met fans stick together, and it was important for me to get to that game and cheer on my team. You try to match it, make him out to travel. There's a Met game in the spring to get to a winning. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's hard. What it's it's interesting. One of the things I the NBA schedule comes out, and especially the Knicks schedule, is I try and see when I'm on the road. Uh, clearly, once April starts, um, and hopefully in the playoffs if the Mets are in the same city as I'm in. And during the playoffs, too, when my playoff schedule comes out, and I'm fat, all right, I'm going to be in San Francisco here for the Warriors or Denver here for the Nuggets or in L.A., I'm hoping at some point that's when the Mets are on the road and I get to see games. I love going on the road. There's nothing better than City Field, but I love going on the road and cheering for our team. We have a mutual friend. I don't know if you know. 1988, I hired this young man as an intern. Mr. David Freed. <laughs> and oh, he's been, you know, I don't want to you know, get him in trouble. He says all of your success is because of him. I mean, is that true or not true? Yes, I would have zero success if I, by my side. I'm, I'm, to admit that. He's really a great kid. I mean, really, he's really made a nice career for himself with all the stuff he's doing. Here's the, really problem. Here's the problem, Jay. He has, um, now he's become, in my estimation, the premier basketball statistician in all of broadcasting problem is the ego is just right. out of control like he's become diva it's troubling we've tried to talk to him but i i think we're well beyond any chance of having him change last week they had a bobblehead on his birthday i don't know if you caught that yeah. everything oh, oh of course of course i caught that now i don't know if you remember when we first first interactions we really started having when when i was uh, producing a sports talk show and this was before WFAN. I was producing first Jack Spector and then Dave Sims' sports talk show. Uh, and there wasn't many sports talk shows on the air anywhere. And I, I would have to call you and ask you, any chance we can get one of the one of the guys to come on with Dave or one of the guys to come on with, with Jack? And this was... Oh, tell me I, yes, right? I did say yes, right? Uh, sometimes yes, sometimes no, but it was unheard of. 
uh, and getting guests to come on sports talk radio. So it was very interesting in those days trying to convince or or ask uh, PR directors or players if there's any chance we can get a player. We just need them for five or ten minutes back in the day, and now it's like an everyday thing in, in life. It's great. It's great. Uh, the same Mr. Free told me that you were in, in attendance when Carlos Beltran took the third strike in 06. Yes. That was that was the ultimate high to low. Andy, yeah. this catch was one of the most thrilling moments as a Met fan. It was incredible. And then just because Beltran was such a great player and, you know, you, you had these expectations. But that's part, you know, Jay, that's part of being, being a fan. And when you have the success, it makes the success so much more worth it. Because you've experienced the lows, you've experienced the disappointments. So when your team finally reached promised land or has a special moment, uh, to me, that's always what's made it so great. And that's why the loyalty is such an important part of rooting for a team. How, how did you first get there? You're from Little Island, Mike. How did you first get started being administrating? You like these Mets? How did you first well, my get dad, started? A, um, he was a New York Giants fan. That was his team, and he couldn't root for the Dodgers, and he couldn't root for the Yankees. So when the Giants left, he just couldn't root for those two teams. So he had to find another team. And when the Mets came into existence, he adopted the Mets as his club. And uh, because of that, whatever my dad rooted for, that's who I, I grew up uh, watching and, and, and rooting for. And I had uh, I have a picture. I should send it to you sometime. Not that you'd be, be interested in it. But I have a picture of a Met uniform um, that I wore every single day one summer. I mean, every day. Just the top. You wash it? No. <laughs> well, my mother made me every once in a while wash it. But I never wanted it. I wanted every day to wear it. And it was a number three. Uh, I just fell in love with Bud Harrelson when I was a kid. I played shortstop in, you know, Pee Wee League and Little League. And Bud Harrelson was my guy. Um, so I wore that. I wore that that jersey every single day one so and unfortunately buddy struggled with alzheimer's now you know it's uh, he's at a home park he's still the only guy to have a, a ring from 69 in in, in, in 86 but when did you first start getting into it? you were born in 61 right so when was your first you know game you remember going to I think I was about seven years old my dad took me and you know you've heard you've heard all the Various people say when you walk into the ballpark, of course, at Boucher Stadium, and you see all that green, it's just, it's a moment that you never forget. And because, you know, they were my team and I finally got to see them live in person, that becomes a lifelong, becomes a lifelong passion. And you just, you know, you adopt certain players like I did with Bud and, and then you grow. Like I've had, I've had a favorite Met pretty much every era. You know, Bud was, Bud was, when I was a kid, I loved Bud, and I loved Tom Seaver. I mean, every, anybody who ever was a Met fan back then just loved Tom Seaver. And then I became a huge uh, Mike Piazza fan as well, um, who's a big Mike Piazza fan. And then David Wright was was my favorite player. So you every era, you find somebody that you, you think epitomizes what a Met should be. And those guys were like that. The guy now, for my, my favorite player, is Brandon Nimmo. Yeah, he's he's what a Met should be, and it's been fun. You know, it was fun when I was seven years old. I'm 62 now. I I still I still love the Mets. Uh, when I don't go to the games, I watch them on TV almost every night. My wife Jay is as big a Met fan as I am. It's just become a part of our lives. 
Do you, I'm sure you've seen a picture where you were in a game recently. I guess somebody was standing up in front of you and, and you know, I, you had a great look on your face, you know. All right, so he's there and he's there. He's sitting next to a Yankee fan. And the two of them are there. Uh, they're having their share of drinks during the course of the game. And at first, most of the section, uh, we found him mildly amusing because he was dancing and always looking around. But by the seventh, it's enough for Rich. He just would, and it was a it was a close game. It was a big game, and he just wouldn't sit down. And some of the people yelling at him to sit down. Just, we just got a little irritated by him by the end. But that's all experience. I, hey, listen, I got, I'm going to do you a big favor. I don't know if you know about. It. I went to uh, Gary Cohen the other day. He's going to take off a game August fifth. Because I've heard your dream is to announce one Met game. So I got to walk out with Gary. He's going to be off. It's to be you, Roddy, and Keith. We'll do the game. Is that good by you? Oh my goodness, that's a bucket for me to do a Met game. But I, you know, I've, I've had um, thoughts about doing one before. But the last thing I want to do is, I remember being a Marv Albert, and I, to me, when Marv would miss a game, me to be a backup and do the game. That was the biggest in life. So forget backup. Me chance backup to take. Love to do it sometime, and maybe that can happen. But I want to make sure I don't take any anybody's opportunity to be a backup to the great Gary Clark. Boy, he's, we go look, we're blessed to have great, and that's for Howie Rose and the two young guys. We had Keith and Matt McCarthy, and you know Keith and Robbie. It's good. Yeah, see, it's a good thing. Wait, you look, you look at Jay. So we now have Gary Keith and, and I. I mean, there's it's just the greatest booth. And I, when I first came in, you had. Bob Murphy and Lindsey Nelson and Ralph Kiter. Like, it just, we've been so blessed all these years. And that's a big part of, of being a fan of a team. You, the, the announcers become your family members. And clearly, now I'm wonderful that I'm friends with uh, Gary. We've become great friends. Well, I know Keith. Um, that, that's a, because you feel they're with your family. I, Bob Murphy and, and Lindsey Nelson and Ralph Kiter. They put like that's part of me wanting to become a broadcaster because I admired them so much and they seemed to be having such a wonderful time together and doing their job. That had an impact on me as a kid in terms of making a decision to go into broadcast. Yeah, they're all great guys. I mean, I I do I work with everyone except Lindsay. I started in A and E, and Lindsay left the year before. So I, you know, Bob and Ralph, the great people, and Howie Rose continued to you know, continue to dish it. Like I started listening to you. I was a big Imus fan. I loved Imus every day, religiously listened to him. And he knew I didn't sleep, okay? So he would me up. When he went out at 6 o'clock, right? He would call me up at 10 after 6 and say, I heard one of your others is out at drunk at bar list. And I was not alive with you know, Charles McCord and Bernie. And he would put me on a spot. And, you know, he, he knew, you know, it was crazy tired. You, I remember you, did, did you record you would? You had a little struggle with some of the stuff, it, it, or parts of your relationship. You had to adjust his type of adapting and everything. Well, it was di- it was different than anything I'd ever done. Um, you know, I was always doing just serious sportscasts. And when I first got hired to work with him, he didn't want that. He wanted comedy, and I never, I never, or so it took me a while to realize that okay, it's okay to do this stuff because it's it's all that's a fun. 
And um, I learned a lot from from the crew. Um, Charles McCord, Arn McBurk, who we tragically lost last year. Just such a, a wonderful talent. Um, and I think because you had to kind of think on the on top of your head with that show because it was rapid fire, that actually helped me as a play-by-play announcer because you have to deal with whatever happens in the game. You never know what's going to happen. That was this every time you walked into that studio, I, I had no idea what was going to happen. And he loved you, Jay. I mean, he's left them both fun, but he loved you. He used to call me and like, he knew I was up and every, I put me on here, Jay, he said, I miss money here. I saw your owner down at Bourbon Street. And now, oh my God. But I, you know, I, I didn't miss a, didn't miss a beat. I, no, no, you were great with him. <laughs> he, he tried to put you on the spot, but you handled him beautifully. No, it was great. Mike, how is it now with, with basketball? You're off for a couple of months. You know, as it would ease pin in the MS3, the pace is back and forth all year long, so there's really no rest for you. Yeah, it, you know what? You, you you know this from all the years you did the job. The travel is what is what wears you down. Uh, there's so many flights, so many hotel rooms. And listen, I, I love the job. Uh, I've been doing NBA basketball for over 30 years, and I still love it as much as I did the first year. Um, but every year the travel gets a little harder. So for me, when the season's over, um, even though I could probably do some other sports and maybe do it with, I need that time during the summer to be with my feet, to recharge batteries, and of course to, to watch my bets. So um, it's it's a great time of year. I hate when the season ends because I love the biggest games, but it's it's also a nice time to just relax and enjoy the summer. Like what, what's your biggest bag? Is you one of one, two of your all-time bank calls? Oh, I don't know if there's there's one particular. Um, the the one that, that uh, gets a lot of play is the Ray Allen shot when Miami uh, was able to win game six and then wound up winning game seven because that one decided a championship. If Ray Allen misses that shot in game six, Spurs win the title. There's no championship for the Heat that year. So it was one of those that, one single shot decided who wins the title or who comes up short. Like your Knicks had a great year this year, you know, and relevant, complete crowd pleasing, back page in the papers. Is it, do you feel that you're cycling, building with the team for next year? The key was sight, Jalen Brunson, this young man. He was built to play in New York, you know, as well as anybody. He can survive in New York and certain, but they can shrink under the, the intense scrutiny that, that comes to play in New York. And, and Jalen Brunson, as a player can handle it, emotionally can handle it. And now I think, you know, he's got a chance to be somebody really special. He had a great year this year. And other players will want to come play with him. And I think that's an important part of, of his presence now with the Knicks. He's probably one of the great free agents side in many of the sports and any of the teams in New York. The way, I mean, he played great under the pressure and, you know, I mean. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and the thing is, when he was signed, there were a lot of people said, wow, they overpaid for him. Right, I remember that. But you know, I mean, uh, as as a member of the media, sometimes we make right calls and sometimes we are so wrong. You've seen that in your career. And a lot of people were wrong. They they knew he was a solid player, but they, they realized once he moved away from J, uh, Luka Doncic, who was the dominant player there, and rightfully so, uh, you could see what a, what a talent that Jalen Brunson is. Uh, Mike, have you ever seen Clyde Fraser work the same close twice in two games in a row? No, no, never. 
Um, now, he has a couple of suits that he brings back once a year. But, you know, we go on the road sometimes and we want a light pack, so we might wear the same blue suit a couple of times with a different tie. That That is a fashion no-no with, with Clyde. And, uh, you know, he, he can go the whole year without wearing the same set clothes. Um, he doesn't wear the same suit. Um, the one suit that he might wear more than once in a season is the And he does it because people love it. And people want to see it. And the, the beauty, Jay, is sometimes we'll be standing on the court doing our open for the telecast. And you watch the opposing players. They'll be on the layup line. And they can't taste. They keep looking over. Holy mackerel, I've never seen him. Because a lot of the players are fashion conscious. Uh, and they see what Clyde wears. And how he can pull it off. It's it's put a, If I put like that on, people would be laughing at me. With Clyde. He looks majestic. I hear when you talk through the years, I hear he's very good with kids in autographs. He doesn't big league anybody, and he's that kind of a guy. He has embraced who he is. Because any star I've ever played in sport, he understands what he means to the fans. He understands that he's got a special place in the fans' hearts, and he loves now his interaction with Sometimes it's a father explaining to his son how good this guy was a player because there are a lot of kids who want his autograph. They only know him as a broadcaster. They don't know what a great player he was. And then, you know, he shows them his championship rings or he points up to his retired jersey. He's just he's just wonderful with with who he is. And, and you experienced that too with somebody like David Wright. They just, they they realize what they mean to the fan base. And they go out and for the as Robert said, Mike, as good a player, David, he's I always tell people he's a hundred percent better person. Never turned away an autograph. Community foundation, twenty two years old. I mean, he got it, you know. I mean, I'm been fortunate bless with one of those guys, you know, with, with Johnny Frank with Al Leiter and you know, through the years. But let me see, what's in the blood at, at Fordham? You, Michael K, Spiro Adidas, I mean I you know, Bob Popper, uh uh, Jack Curry, I mean, I'm not going to let people out. How do you explain that? Yeah, there's this guy's work. Reno, Ryan, Jack Curry. Um, you know, it all started back with, with Vince Scully. And when Vince Scully is the is the gold standard at your university, um, when you join the, the radio station of Fordham, you feel an obligation uh, to uphold and never reach the Scully, but to uphold professional Standard, and I think he had to a couple of years ago, right? You yes, got that award. I mean, for somebody who's a Fordham grad who does what I do for a living, there is no higher honor. And the radio station to Fordham, what's so wonderful is it really groomed you to uh, to be a broadcaster, and you got a lot of on air experience while you were at Fordham. So when you got out of college, you felt like, okay, I can do this. You had the confidence going into your first job that. Uh, I can do this because you put the time in while you were a student there. Hey, Mike, listen, I appreciate your time. And I, I will tell Mr. Free that he gets a little bit of the credit. I mean, I'm I'm really happy. I mean, he's all over the place. He died in for rest. I mean, I used to be a workaholic at Davis. That's around with, with, with Ian Eagle, with you, with everybody. That. What a career. And his son is in the business. There's so many people in, in, in my business. You know, we're on camera. We're the voices people hear. But there's so many people 
in the in the production truck, uh, or Dave sitting next to me as a statistician, that you're only as good as the people that you work with. And you know, it's I always say that like basketball is a great team sport. Well, broadcasting basketball is a team sport, and you need that support staff, and you need them around you to make it. Dave is one that that makes it. Our guys, I mean, our TV guys love him. And, you know, Johnny Frank used to tell me, you know, I, I n- never took myself seriously, Mike. Always a victim of practical jokes, never battered it on. He used to say, if the guys don't like it, they won't screw with you. So the same thing with Dave. I mean, yes. all our guys screw with him a little bit, and they love him to death. Yes. But again, and by the way, Jay, congratulations on your going. Well, that's all. Nobody deserves it more. And. Mike. I watched the ceremony on TV because I was on the road doing a game. I wanted to be there because I would have been the first one standing up giving you standing ovation. Well, I pre- Mike, I appreciate you, lawyer, to the Mets. And maybe we'll, the next coming you will get a world championship in Knicks and world championship for the Mets. That would be great for Nothing would be better than that, Jay.